This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> you Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Ennis Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth... Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Ennis Cantor, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of DailyThunder.com. Also, Almighty Baller Radio. You can find us on Dash Radio on Saturday afternoons. Today, I have Fred Katz and John Hamm on the podcast. We're going to talk draft. We're going to talk trades. We're going to talk all sorts of madness. But before that, I need to tell you about a couple things. One, our draft challenge is tomorrow night, Thursday night. We are going to be at Anthem Brewing from 6 to 9 I'll be there probably a little earlier. If you want to come early, that's fine, too. I'm going to have free food from Chicken Express there. It'll be free food and tea there for you. Uh, Of course, Anthem will be serving beer at their bar. That will cost money. Uh, You will also uh, be able to get some free gear from Oklahoma Shirt Company. Uh, So come and make sure that you go to our Facebook page, our Twitter page. You can find our draft challenge there. So click the link. Go there. It'll take you to a Google Doc once you read through it, it'll tell you the rules, and it'll give you the option to click. Get that Google Doc. You can type in your answers and send them to me, dcdpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take a pic, take, print it out, fill it out by hand, take a picture, send it to me that way too. But you need to get it to me by the very, very, very latest Thursday before noon. Because I'd like to print all of them myself and have them there so that whenever somebody does win this amazing prize, that I can be able to match there so they didn't cheat. So... The prize is $100 to Chicken Express, $25 to Anchor Down, and a prize package from Oklahoma Shirt Company. There will be second and third place prizes from Chicken Express, too, uh, so do not fret. If you're not first, your last is not going to take place, as I might have thought on Friday. So come for that. Also, our sponsor is Anchor Down for this show. You need to go to Anchor Down. First of all, so I went and I had one of their salads yesterday at lunch, and it was phenomenal. The same one that I always get, chicken cob salad. It's so good. The ingredients are incredibly fresh. A spring mix, fried chicken, grape tomatoes, jack cheese, corn, bacon, hard-boiled egg. It's served with ranch, but there's a little twist that I had yesterday that I was unaware of until yesterday is that you can get buffalo sauce, throw some buffalo sauce on that, change your whole life. Go get that salad. Of course, you should probably get their corn dogs too. They are very, very good. Uh, you can get a good drink there. Um, they also have hot dogs. You can get a chicken broth there. They have a mega coney that is really good. Um, so go check out Anchor Down today. You can go there for lunch. You can go there for dinner. Uh, as always, go check out their patio. It's fantastic. Go check out Anchor Down today. And now, on to the draft preview slash Thunder Trades slash NBA Trades slash NBA Madness podcast with Fred Katz and John Hamm. Yes. I feel vindicated. You do? Because one of the team, yeah, one of the teams we thought that Ennis Cantor might fit in with was Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dwight Howard's a little bit better defender, but you know, still, like it was a big man that went to Charlotte, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't have to give up a whole lot to get him, though. Yeah. 
We can just, this yeah. can, this can be our podcast. Let's just go, and I'll put an intro in later. Hey, do either of you like the D'Angelo Russell trade for the Lakers? I I don't love it, but I understand it. Right. Like I don't I don't hate it or anything. I don't think it's horrible, but I think it's I love it for the Nets. Oh yeah, definitely. I just I un- I understand it. If if that was their way of clearing a bunch of cap for the next year and they're going to draft Lonzo and they think that Lonzo and D'Angelo from a personality standpoint and from a stylistic standpoint is just going to work so horribly that it's not even worth trying because it's going to cause problems and they just got to get rid of him now then use him to then yeah I understand just using him to get rid of Mozgov's contract and bring in a stretch big who can pick and pop with Lonzo I get it yeah <clears throat> yeah it's and, and then they have the flexibility. I mean, I know obviously they're they're uh, trying to manufacture cap space. <laughs> they could still bring Lopez back. They still have that option if uh, if they strike out. So that also, wouldn't be like, terrible. Brooke Lopez, I, I genuinely believe it. Maybe it's just because like I know him and, and I I really like him. He's a really good guy. But and so maybe I'm a little bit biased. But I, I really think Brooke Lopez is an underrated player. Yeah, that's like, probably. He's not as bad defensively as people say he is. Like he's, it's not like he's old. He's like twenty eight. Like he's, he's, he's not a great defender or anything like that. But he's not like this, this no defense. Like he's not Ennis Canner. He's not this no defense guy. He's every single year his rim protection metrics are above league average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a and, part of the trade that goes underrated. Is that I don't hear anybody talk about Brook Lopez. It's like, like he will actually help the Lakers next year. And he's a yep. tremendous offensive player. Mm-hmm. He's one of the five best offensive centers in the league. Is that is that certainly one of the five best scoring centers in the league now that he shoots threes? Right. Yeah. He scored an incredible rate last year. Leading scorer in Yeah, I think he's the longest net in Nets history. <laughs> longest tenured net. <laughs> yeah. But he shot. What did he shoot from three last year? Like thirty-five. What league average? Uh, probably. Nice volume. Thirty-five um, percent on over five a game. Um. I mean, he's he's not a good rebounder, and he's he's bad as a pick and roll defender. Yeah, but he's not the worst. Uh, he's not the worst rim protector, and he's an incredible scorer. And he can score like in a variety of ways. He's scoring the post, he can score, score, pick and roll, score, pick and pop. He can catch and shoot from three. Like I, I'm, I'm into, I'm into Pagolobus. He's actually a good offensive rebounder. It's just with the way that the Nets used him last year. He's so far from the rim, he couldn't do it. But every other year of his career, he's been a well above average offensive rebounder. Mm-hmm. And then, what, what if Mozgov is actually quasi useful still? What if he is? It's possible. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I maybe he's still somewhat useful. I mean, not. <clears throat> I mean, obviously that that contract. He's. I don't think he's ever going to live up to. But you know, maybe Brooklyn can actually put him to some use. Maybe they won't have the worst record in the league next year. Maybe the Celtics won't get the number one pick again. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I will reserve judgment on that for now. I like what Brooklyn is doing, but I don't know. We'll see. Who's worse, Brooklyn or Sacramento next year? Uh, I'm tempted to say Sacramento. 
Yeah. I think it's it should be Sacramento. Yeah. But I think it's going to be Brooklyn. Because I think Sacramento is like going to sign like two guys this offseason who are going to help propel them to like 26 or 28 wins. <laughs> yeah. Even though they shouldn't do that, you know. Yeah. Kings are trading the 10th uh, pick for Canner. I heard that on Thunder Twitter. You did? Yeah. It's, what I don't what I don't understand is how are the Kings trading the 10th pick for Canner if uh, the, the Thunder are trading Canner and the 21st pick for Paul George. <laughs> That's a good well, question. I now just don't really understand that, but I, I'm trying to, to so. trying to inject logic into this whole thing, Fred. I mean, you just you're just not even thinking outside the box. Maybe maybe it's a three-way deal and half of Canner goes to the Kings <laughs> and half of Canner goes to the Lakers or how it goes to uh, the Pacers. He'll be the first NBA player to play 140 games in a season. Good. I, I hope, I just hope Brooke Lopez and the Lakers, now that Brooke Lopez is on the Lakers, he's going to get more media coverage. And although he'll probably hate that because he really doesn't like doing interviews. I, I think the world will be better off for it. He's an underratedly phenomenal interview. Like I, he, he is arguably my favorite interview scrum moment of all time. Um, which was like two years ago when it was like when I was covering the Nets and it was like five guys there. And we were just at practice. And we walk in and it's just like one of those scenes like on the practice court after practice. And Brooke just starts to someone asks him very basic, not pressing at all, like extremely basic Nets question. Brooke says, like, guys, why do we always have to talk about basketball? <laughs> <laughs> like, like Brooke, you're a basketball player and we're basketball writers. Kind of has to happen. Right. He yeah. says, "Can we just do like a couple?" He's like, "Can we just do a couple of non-basketball questions?" And they're like, "Fine." And so he was wearing one of those oxygen masks in practice. So Andy Vasquez from the Bergen Record asks him, "When you put that oxygen mask on, does it make you feel like any superhero?" And Brooke is like a huge comic book nerd. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so responded, "You guys are searching for the super villain, right?" Bane, right? That's the one mm-hmm. everyone goes to immediately. Not really a hero. He may be a hero in his own mind, but it's always a philosophical debate about these superheroes and supervillains. He's a hero in our story. You know, he's doing <laughs> what he thinks is right, unless some of those villains are just crazy, and they just do it. And then you've got the Joker, who says he's an agent of chaos, and he comes back in different forms. Every time he comes back to fight Batman, he's a different character. So I do feel like a superhero when I wear the mask to answer your question. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I want to talk to him for like three days straight. Oh, there's so much more from that interview. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the next, the next question is: I was more thinking, Luke, I am your father, and Brooke responds, Vader. I need to get the whole mask then. Okay, but seriously though, we're, we're going to take that question, and I would really like to get a part, like a walk-on part, in the next Star Wars movie. So I'd like to lobby for that too. Let's work on that as well. I'd like to be a Wookiee. I would really like to be a Wookiee. They don't need my ugly face in there. They just need me acting. I'm not going to blow anything, guys. Come on, Mr. Lucas. I just want to be in the movie. <laughs> Why couldn't That's the Thunder great. get him? Why couldn't the Thunder get him? <laughs> He's, he is – well, I mean in their defense, they they did get Canner, who's just as good. They did get Canner, but Canner doesn't like comic books. That's true. He does not. Yeah. Uh, but actually, I don't know that he doesn't. Maybe he does. We I've never f- discussed it with him. We got to find out. Uh, any, anything else on these trades, guys? I'm a little puzzled. I mean, talk, talk me through this. 
Cody Zeller is is perfectly fine as an NBA player, right? Mm-hmm. He's so good. why Dwight yeah, Howard? <laughs> I don't know. The, the the Charlotte Hornets or the Bobcats, as originally reported, are um, God. They're going to be like a fine, like forty-ish win team, and. They're going to be so. I don't know. I have no interest in watching that team at all. Like adding Dwight Howard makes them maybe the most irrelevant team in the NBA. I have no idea why they would do that. It doesn't. It doesn't make a, a lot of sense to me. I have a theory. Steve Clifford is really good with big men. Yeah. So yep. maybe he thinks there's kind of like a revivaly thing there. Like think about like man, Steve. The most amazing thing Steve Clifford has ever done is turn Al Jefferson into like not one of the three worst defensive players in the NBA for a year. Right. Yep. That that year they won 40, 40, 40, whatever it was, uh, 40, not, not the 48 win season, like the 44 win or 43 win season or whatever. And they were the number six defense with Al backing up their defense. And mm-hmm. he was obviously still bad, but he was so much better than he normally is that year. And then he kind of regressed without Clifford, and he regressed the following year. But he was so much better that year because, and a lot of it had to do with Clifford. He's just so good with centers. Maybe they, maybe they just believe that defensively. And look at what he's turned Cody Cody Zeller into. Like maybe, maybe they just believed that he can do a similar thing with with Dwight Howard, who has this history of being the best defensive player in the league, and obviously isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. I just wonder. I mean, are they gonna? Do they keep Zeller? I mean, he's on a he's on a fine contract. I mean, do do they hang on to him and or they try to move him along and try to do something else? Because I don't think they could play Howard and Zeller together. No, I don't think so either. I I, I think that a part of it probably is the price was so low. Like they didn't have to give up hardly anything to get him. And who's coming to Charlotte? And who's going to help Charlotte? And what can they actually do with the pieces that they have? I think that was probably part of it. Because I think Dwight can still help. Um, but you're right. There's a there's a logjam there. Two guys, I feel like, deserve starting minutes. And maybe Zeller's injuries were this past season were enough to make them think, like, we can't survive um, with Miles Plumley if you're hurt. And so maybe that was part of it. I don't know. Can I ask you guys a really stupid, like raw podcasting question? Yeah. Um, are we are we currently podcasting or are we just talking? We're podcasting. Oh well then, hi everyone. Welcome. No, I'm, <laughs> I didn't know we started. I'm gonna do. I'll do an intro. I'll do a uh, post production intro. Cool. I didn't know we started. Yeah. I thought no. we were just still talking. I was like, when are we gonna start, guys? We're at the, we're we're in the middle of the pod, man. People are ten man, minutes. Man, so into I this. just wait. So did I just halt a podcast so I could just like read a really old Brooke Lopez interview? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's such terrible podcasting. I thought I was just reading that to you guys. No, it's gold. It's gold, man. <laughs> uh, any any thoughts? Any other thoughts on the trades from yesterday? Any or any thoughts on Kawhi Leonard's I, change in hair? I didn't, so I, I saw that photo. I, I, I missed, I, I was, I was on a flight for like three hours and I saw the Lopez trade and then I missed all the other stuff that went down the Wade picking up the option and the Kawhi stuff. And I was just scrolling through my Twitter timeline when I landed to see what I missed. And I saw the Kawhi photo and I just didn't think anything of it because I didn't even recognize Kawhi without the cornrows. And then <laughs> 
Tim Bontemps texted me that he had shaved the cornrows. And I was like, what? And I went back and I saw it. So is, is nobody left now with cornrows in the league? Is that, is that what we're left with? No one's got cornrows anymore? Hmm, that's a good question. Tony Snell doesn't have them anymore either. No, Snell right. doesn't have them. I, I don't know. Hey, one of our listeners has to know. I'm sure that there's somebody listening right now that's yelling a name as we are talking yeah, right I mean, now. Yeah, probably. I mean, they're, they're kind of an old style, obviously, and that was kind of the whole thing with Kawhi. That Kawhi looked like he was from, like, 2003. You know? Right. Like, it's an old style. You don't really see many people with cornrows anymore. No, I think, um, I think yeah. that's it. I think I think they're officially dead. Welcome. You know that you know what that means it's up to Chris Stapps now. <laughs> oh, man. You're right. That's the only logical place him. we could go. He had him when he was a kid, when he was like 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it, time to it's time to bring him back. Is it because he looked up to Vladimir Rodmanovich? <laughs> oh man. Oh, Remember man. when he had the cornrows? I do. Can we talk a Kristaps for a second too, because that's stuff. The yeah, Christophs. that's stuff. Yeah, I just uh, I just Kanner wanted to mention 21. the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I just wanted to mention the what I thought was hilarious that they if they traded Kristaps they would want to replace him with Laurie Markkinen as mm-hmm. if like just because he's a tall white guy like that's cool that's acceptable no one's gonna notice. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it, 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 as soon as I saw that, I immediately. You guys are are you guys Seinfeld fans? Yes. I I immediately thought of Elaine eating Mister Peterman's hundred year old cake, and then replacing it with an entiment, and thinking that the appraisal guy wouldn't even notice. And I was like, Laura Markkinen is is clearly an entiment in this scenario. You think no one's going to see this? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so the true. Knicks. Yeah, I uh, I like Markinen. Like I think that he'll come in and shoot the ball. But yeah, he's to replace Chris Stapps is it's just so sad. It's just such a sad thing to think about. Uh, they can't really trade Chris Stapps, can they? And if they do, I mean, they've got to get back a ton for him. They've got to get back like a Celtics package, right? Yeah, and I don't I don't think they will. I, I don't. I, I talked to some people about it. Yesterday, and I at least I, I don't think they're going to. They, it seems like they're just asking for the world as they should. I mean, they shouldn't even, be, shouldn't even be asking for anything because that stuff gets back to the player when you've already got. You know, someone described it to me: the relationship with with the team as uh, not irreparable. And and I should say, I, I asked if it was an irreparable if the relationship was in an irreparable situation, and and they said no, not at all. So they're they're not in some sort of irreparable situation with the with the organization, but it's it, it's just when you're in a bad situation with your franchise player, a bad a bad relationship with your franchise player. Like, why are you poking him by by allowing this trade stuff to get out? If you're not going to make a deal, if realistically nobody's going to bite on the trade package you're offering, and and you're almost certainly not going to deal him, like. You got to handle it differently. It's it's really just about the way that the organization handled it. Yeah, no one's ever going That's to my, New York again <laughs> under this regime. Not when Phil's there. Yeah. Not when Phil's there. Yeah, and it's totally totally crazy. So God. yeah, 
I there is so much stuff. I mean, guys' names get thrown around a whole lot, and nothing ever happens. But I mean, again, the fact that it kind of got to this point, I, that I'm guessing like one or two people actually called up and Phil like entertained it, and that's what kind of sparked this whole thing. Either that or the Knicks leaked that, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that process looks like, but it's probably real screwed up. I don't know. I don't know. So I, I, I've got a hypothetical to throw at you. Okay. So, and, and this was just a rumor. This was not a report. This was just a rumor that supposedly the Clippers had talked to Phoenix about dealing uh, DeAndre Jordan for Tyson Chandler in the four pick. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much truth there is to it, but it got me to thinking. In, in your opinion, would the Suns entertain a similar package for Steven Adams, yes or no? They no, sh- no. I don't think they would. The Suns would I don't not. think they would. Why? Wait, why would the Suns not offer the same thing for Steven Adams? Mm-hmm. Because DeAndre Jordan is a better player? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I, I, I think Steven Adams could be really good, but I, I think in, in 2017, DeAndre Jordan is uh, the better player and, and Steven Adams, I guess it depends on what they think of what they specifically think of Steven Adams. But I think Steven Adams is going to be really good. DeAndre Jordan has been all NBA three years in a row and has been first team all NBA once and first team all defense twice, I think. So like, he's got some cred. Yeah, we're talking about a really, really, really good like max player, and uh, I think he actually, although he's on, he's got fewer years left in the contract. He's got the one year left. Uh, I think he's got. I think he makes less than Steven now, right? Because he signed his extension under under the former cap. So I think he actually makes less than Steven does under under the with when when Adams' contract kicks in for the one hundred million dollar extension. Uh, DeAndre is under contract for next season at 22.6. Yeah. So probably just, uh, yeah, just a bit under, I don't know. It just got me to thinking because, you know, obviously, you know, for Oklahoma city and, and they've typically been aggressive in the past, trying to get up, you know, high into the draft, at least talking about that possibility. You know, they've, they've been there before. It just got me to thinking, you know, well, would the Thunder entertain such an idea, and would the Suns have any interest in even? Yeah, I mean, even if it's something else surrounding, you know, the the four pick. But mm-hmm. it just made me wonder. Yeah, I. On the other hand, with Phoenix, like you have this super young team. DeAndre is about to turn twenty nine. He's going to be an expiring contract uh, a year from now. I don't. Do you give up that much for DeAndre? Who, I mean, what, I mean, Phoenix is not going to be good even if he's on their team next year. Um, I don't know. You can have, you can control Stephen Adams for the next four years. He's a lot younger. He's shown a lot of skill. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I land in the same spot. Well, I, I want to be, I want to be clear. I was not implying that Phoenix should have done it for DeAndre. My, my right. overall point really was Phoenix wouldn't even do it for DeAndre, so I don't see them doing it for for Adams. But I wouldn't do it for DeAndre either for or for the reasons that you just said. And I think Devin Booker is going to be really good. And I, I think uh, as as Thunder fans have seen 
with value within the Thunder. I think keeping a team on relatively the same timeline is a is a valuable thing, and you kind of throw that off if you acquire DeAndre. Obviously, Tyson Chandler isn't on that timeline, but he's like the vet who mm-hmm. isn't necessarily on such a such a bad deal. Who who you can come in and who can help in the locker room and all that stuff, and can still play when he's healthy. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do that deal for DeAndre if I were Phoenix either, for the yeah. reasons that you just said. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, let's move on to Thunder draft talk. Let's first talk about the 21st pick. The Thunder have one pick in this draft. It's 21. Uh, who are the guys, John, that you have kind of zeroed in on uh, that you think will be available? And like, who who is your pick for 21? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like this Mark Fultz guy. Uh, he looks pretty good. Um, I, I think he could really... I think he could probably help this team. Um, I think Jonathan Isaac uh, is very intriguing as well. Malik Monk um, is someone else. Um, oh, wait, I'm looking at the draft in reverse order. Okay, <laughs> let's start again. John, can yeah. I cut you off for one second? You may you know always. That, do you know that my father, when he came, I'm throwing my dad under the bus here. When my dad, when my dad and it came to uh, Oklahoma City, he got so excited because he and my brother went to the Christmas game against the Timberwolves. He got so excited because he was like, we got the cheapest courtside seats. We're sitting courtside. And my brother and dad were so pumped. They were sitting courtside, and they're like, we got the cheapest courtside seats. So I was like, I don't understand. They got them for that price. That person just really want to unload them. That's crazy. And then it turns out he looked at the seating back backwards, and he was last row. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's my, my gosh. That's my, that's my spacey father for you. Oh my so, gosh! I I think that's like the funniest thing ever. We're sitting courtside. No, you're literally sitting last row. <laughs> you're sitting sitting courtside for twenty five bucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I did sit courtside for twenty five bucks once. Yeah, a few years I, ago. I you told that story in your podcast, right? I've told it before. Yeah, a guy was he didn't know what he had. He didn't know that he had courtside seats, and he was offering them for thirty five. And I said. How about 25? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, oh, that is so great. 21, John Ham. 21. 21. I, you know, obviously, I, I mean, I lean towards Draft Express a lot, you know, just because they, they generally, I think, kind of know what they're doing. But obviously, yeah. I mean, I keep coming back to so many big men are available in that range. There's a lot of bigs. Um, I mean, there's there's the chance that OG slips down to 21. Uh, I, I'm a little less excited about him after Fred's pod with Sam Vecini. Um, although maybe maybe if he falls to 21, you just gotta you gotta take it and then you know mm-hmm. hope that your internal development can uh, can go to work on him. Um, I still if they. They could do both. I mean, they could potentially trade up into the draft. They could potentially trade down using existing players and what have you. I still really like the idea of trading out. If there's another team wanting to get another first-round pick to go pull off one of these Paul George trades or whatever, I like the idea of trading down and going after some of these other guys that we talk about a lot, like Derek White or, or, or Shemi Ojale. Yeah. <clears throat> If you were to pick at twenty one, though, who would you t- who would you want? You're on the clock. If I was at, yeah, if, if I was on the clock and and I was, yeah, I was at twenty one, I would probably lean towards Ojale. Okay, that's where Katz is too, right? 
unless you've changed. Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very pro Ojale. Like I I think he's really good. I, I again like I I think he can guard threes even though I would say most people who are smarter than me tell me they don't think he can guard threes. Although no one is definitively saying there's no way he can guard threes. It's just kind of more of the Whoever that is in the background certainly doesn't think he can go after right. They're getting super angry. This <laughs> <laughs> my my uh, draft expert, Christian Ham, uh, just completely disagrees, <laughs> disagrees with all this. <laughs> Christian Ham sounds like a super non-kosher food. <laughs> That's right. There's nothing kosher about that name. Breaking news, Fred Katz hates my son. Okay, good to know. <laughs> Hey, not as big as the breaking news that you made, John, that just now that the Thunder would either trade up, trade down, trade out of the first round, or pick at 21. Oh, yeah, I mean, well, that's, hey. That's huge. Look, very that, that's very thorough. I think it's very <laughs> thorough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really like Ojale. I like Ojale more than, more than uh, Ananobi. I, I think he's <gasps> – okay. I, 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 I realize I'm, I'm in the minority on that, but I, I just see him as – I see him as like a he could end up stylistically being a Jeremy Grant. And if that's the case, then you have some redundancy. Mm-hmm. But then maybe you have Jeremy Grant as a trade piece and you can deal you can deal Grant and you don't have to worry about trading him in free agency, which I think would be pretty thundery, right? If they were able to like turn Grant into a good player this year and then they're like, Oh, but we have Ojale and they trade Grant and they can actually get something for him if that were, you know, a, a turn of events that would have to happen. But I I see him as a guy who's going to be able to hit threes because he did it at such a high level at, at, in college that mm-hmm. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it in the NBA. And I think he's going to really good in transition because he's fast and he's strong and he, he's got a pretty high basketball IQ and, and he can, he's so athletic and finishes around the rim. And he's, I could just see him barreling through guys in transition. And if he can just spot up and he can cut a little bit, that's, and he can guard, guard on the ball threes and fours. I think he needs some work off the ball for sure, but that's something that can be learned. Uh, I mean, it can't be learned if you're a dumb guy. He just doesn't at all seem like a dumb guy. He seems like a smart guy. So I'm, 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 I'm into it. Like I, I think Sam made the point on my podcast. Vicini made the point on my podcast that whoever drafts him will probably try to rework his body because obviously he doesn't need to get into better shape because he's in unreal shape. But he needs to get into a different kind of style of shape probably because he needs to be a little bit more flexible, a little bit less bulky so that he can guard on the wings a little bit better. I just, I, I see it happening. I see it happening. Even though a lot of people tell me, uh, there's a, there's a good chance it won't. And, uh, if I'm wrong, I'll suck it up, but you know what? There are worse things than having a really good power forward who defends well, shoots threes and kills it in transition. Like there are worse things than that. <laughs> so even if he is a power forward, if he's really good, then who, who cares? You're getting someone who's really good. Yeah. Oh, I, I like him a lot. My concern, if he is a power forward, wh- where is he in the rotation? Like, if they do keep Jeremy Grant, like, where, like, does he even play next year? That would be my question. Because if he can't play on the wing, then are they going to play him over Grant or over Sabonis? Like, that That would be my question. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of bigs. There's certainly a lot of bigs, but you know what? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the annoying answer. That kind of stuff tends to work itself out. I still think there's a decent chance that Ennis Canner will not be finishing out this contract in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that opens things up a lot more, and you don't have to give you don't have you know nearly as many bodies to give the minutes to. 
And I think those sorts of things can can tend to work themselves out. It's always better to have more good players than than bad players. And I, obviously, they have they have needs in other positions. They need a three, and they need a one. But I just if I saw the obvious three or the obvious one who was there, then I would say that guy. But I, I don't see that there. It's just a ton of bigs. So like, if you don't take him, who are you going to take? You going to take? I mean, I'm assuming that that like you know, I'm assuming that like Justin Jackson is gone by this point. So if if you don't take him, I mean, I guess you can take Derek White if you really like Derek White. But you know, one year against high competition worries me for a guy who's almost twenty three years old. And then you got a bunch of bigs. So you got to take Justin Patton. Then you have the same situation. You know, so I just I think that that would be a better reason not to take him if there were a bunch of other wings who were in the same class as him. You know? Yeah, Shimmy has well, the I, same I, concern though, right? One year against. High competition, right? Oh yeah, but he's been he's been playing with D one guys this whole time. Like White has been playing with D two guys, right? And he just killed everybody this year, though. Like he was he was so good, man. Like he yeah, and he, no, and he did good. it all. He did it all. He's good. He's good. He shoots. He shoots. He's smart. He, he defended really well. Uh, he's. He's he's good for sure. He's good. I just find it interesting that Oklahoma City is apparently working out for various reasons some of these uh, Euroleague guys mm-hmm. that would fill that combo guard spot. So yeah. maybe they're just having a look. I, I have this memory of it was the year they drafted Perry Jones. Like there was a like a Russian shooting small forward that they were working out. His last name was something like Voronsovich. Um, and it never, you know, nothing ever came of it. So I, maybe, maybe this is just something that they do, but I find it interesting that we know of at least two combo guards that they are at least having a look at and maybe not all entirely just for summer league purposes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think the Thunder will take Derek White. I wish that they would, because I think that he can come in and play right away and that, he can fill that backup point guard position. He can play next to Russ. I think he'd be great. I don't think they're going to take him. I think that I honestly feel like it's likely that they're going to take a big at this spot. I, I don't think that it's a coincidence that a guy like E.K. Anabogu is who they have the Thunder, who Draft Express has the Thunder taking at 21 right now. I think that a guy like that will be really hard to pass up for Sam Presti. He's not even 19 years old yet. He's 6'10". He's got a 7'6 wingspan. Uh, he's going to be a really good defender. He's probably like a energy bench big that can back up Steven Adams. And he's a guy that can come in and the defense isn't going to take such a dramatic drop-off as it does when Canner comes in. Uh, he can defend multiple positions. He can block shots. He's a crazy, crazy lob catcher. Like he can, if you throw it up anywhere near the rim, like that dude is going to catch it and he's going to throw it down. Um, but he's super raw. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's if that's the guy the Thunder take tomorrow night. I am not shocked because I think that that's where there's a ton of upside. And then I think they try to figure out the other positions, whether it is like one of those Euro guys or they try to make a trade. Um, I would, I would absolutely love it if the Thunder could get like a Jeremy Lin or something like that. I don't know if he's available now that Brooklyn has D'Angelo Russell or if they would even consider something like that. Um, but I think he would be great. 
uh, for OKC. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. Are there any bigs that you guys like? So Anabogu is a guy that has been linked to the Thunder via Draft Express. Are there any of these bigs? Like if the Thunder had to take a big, um, who who do you like out of this bunch? Who do you got, Fred? Well, can I before before I answer a question, I want to say two two guys who are kind of off the overall radar who I think are worth uh, keeping in the back of your mind just for the possibilities because I I know the Thunder have or at least someone interested in these guys who I think are generally off the overall radar are are, are Frank Jackson and that just might be the case if if they were to trade down or, or trade back or something like that in the draft yeah. and, and DJ Wilson I think is a real possibility at twenty one also Ooh. from Michigan mm-hmm. yeah so I think that's I think that's a real possibility for them also. Uh, big guy that I like. Uh, I'm into Justin Patton. Yeah, I could see him being good. I, I mean, Harry Giles was such a high recruit that you know. I guess I guess he's a guy that if he's around the 21, you'd have to consider because a lot of these guys who are you know super high recruits and fall, a lot of them end up you know living living up to what what they were in in their in their high school days. You know, you see kind of like we just talked about DeAndre Jordan, he's kind of a perfect example of that where he was a super high recruit and then he fell to the second round because he was bad as one year at A&M. Then he kind of turned into what he is today. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I, I think that's just something you have to consider. But I like Patton. I think he's athletic. I think he's a good finisher around the rim. I think he could be a, a good, a good role guy. I think he's got potential as a, as a rim protector. I could, I, I mean, at 21, everyone's got flaws and it's impossible to say with anyone like this guy will be good. No question, but uh, Patton, Patton's a guy who I, I, I see it. He's raw. He's another guy who's kind of raw, like you were talking about. But I, 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 I could visualize him being a good player. Yeah, I'm incredibly disappointed that you didn't list the guy I'm about to list, and that's TJ Leaf. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be too biased. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know. For, for what I've seen of TJ Leaf, I think he uh, I think he could work out pretty good. But yeah, I don't know enough about his defense of what you just mentioned about Anigbogu. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense too. Um, to have you know something coming off the bench where the defense doesn't just completely crater. Um, but I mean, for what I, what I've seen of TJ Leaf, I think uh, I think he can find himself a good spot in this league and, and do well. Yeah, he's Ryan Anderson light. I don't. Right. I'm. I'm afraid that he won't defend anyone. That he'll be like a guy yeah. that defends fives and is gets crushed by good fives. I'm not afraid of that. I'm. I'm confident. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fred, if the Thunder are on the clock and they have an Ananobi and Ojale are on the board, you would take Ojale. Yeah, I would. I mean, look, the we're not privy to the medical reports on Ananobi, mm-hmm. but a guy coming off an ACL, like I feel like if you're coming off an ACL injury and your game is is already not quite as refined, I feel like that's a good tiebreaker. I feel like Ananobi's rookie year, guys who miss the beginnings of their rookie years because they're hurt. The rookie years tend to be lost years. Mm-hmm. There's there's rarely any progression there because they're starting like so much of it is just kind of remembering what was there before the major injury, you know, and it's really hard to improve in those sorts of cases. And there are other ways to improve other than just improving your raw skills. You can improve 
other things in your life which which affect basketball. You know, you can improve your diet, improve your shape, improve certain things. But it just it tends to be like a like a half a rookie year or a quarter of a rookie year, you know, in terms of that improvement scale. And and if that's how you're gonna grade it, like there's not really a difference in age between those two guys either. And and between and OG, just seems- between OG and Ojale? There's like almost OG's twenty, right? OG's twenty, right? He's almost twenty. Um, and Ojale's twenty-two. Yeah, that's kind of that's a big difference in the draft, though. Well, no, no, no. My point is, if it's if if OG has has if you're implanting the lost year into it, they're only a year apart. Like in terms of their in terms of their actual development, is that a weird way to look at it? Is that stupid? I don't think it's 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 a weird way to look at it. I've never <laughs> I've never thought of it that way. I, well, the whole point of age is that he has this many more years to improve, right? So if you're assuming one year is has has the potential to be a dead year because of the injury, then you're saying that he only has one more year to improve to get to where Ojale is, as opposed to two more years to improve to get to where Ojale is. But do guys only improve based on years? Wow, that's that's like a Neil deGrasse Tyson. Look at <laughs> <laughs> I, I I see I see the I see the potential in OG. Uh, he's just. I like the refined guy, especially on a team that has like obvious needs right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like drafting a guy that is older at this point because I do think that there is a ton of value in drafting a 22 or 23 year old guy that can come in and play today, and you're paying him a million bucks for the next, you know, four years. And if he's playing for you, like you can't beat that value. You can't, and that's why that's why I do like I do like Shemi a lot, and I do uh, like Derek White. And I even, I even like a Jordan Bell, like who he is twenty two and a half. Like I, I like that guy a lot. I think that he could come in and play backup center for the Thunder, block a lot of shots, be an energy guy. I I like those kind of guys, and I think that the Thunder would, I think it would help the Thunder a lot if they could bring in a guy that can play because they had they just carried way too many guys on their team this past year that cannot play and maybe will never be able to play in the NBA. I don't know. That's uh, so I I'm with you that I like a guy that can come in and play right away. Well, yeah, it comes down to I mean, has the Thunder's draft philosophy changed? Because like you said, like it, it's basically I want beef stroganoff. Do I want it in a box? Do I want the hamburger helper then I'll get Shimmy Ojulay. But if I want to do it, you know, if I want to craft it myself, then that's OG because he's got, you know, he's, he's basically something the Thunder can mold. Mm-hmm. So, and that has historically been the guy that they typically go after. Yeah. So, um, I, I completely agree that, you know, Shimmy is a guy that should be able to step in and, and play a role next season. Um, whereas OG, who knows when he gets medically cleared, um, and that would be more of a long-term thing. I, I don't. I don't hate it. I just feel like the Thunder need to come out of this draft with uh, another guy or two that can step in and play next season. What do you guys think about Terrence Ferguson, Fred? We'll start with you. What do you What do you think about him? He's a guy who's linked to the Thunder because he grew up in Tulsa. He's also six seven. Uh, he can shoot the three ball. Uh, he can dunk like this dude can get up. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts on him? You know, I'll be honest. Haven't watched a lot of Australian League basketball. <laughs> that hadn't been on your TV this summer. I feel like the biggest the biggest flaw that people have with the draft is they develop 
the strongest opinions on people they know the least about. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe that's not the problem with the draft. Maybe that's the problem with America. But yeah. <laughs> but but I'm I'm just I, I I feel perfectly fine saying like I I really don't I, I know he's a good athlete. Uh, I know he's he's pretty long, right? Uh, I know he's six like eight wingspan. Yeah, six seven, six from, eight wingspan. Oh, uh, so he's not that long compared compared mm-hmm. to his height. See. I, I know that he's either long or not long. Uh, uh, he's either good or bad. <laughs> yeah, or, or or average or somewhere in between all those. Um, I know he's he's probably not the next LeBron. Uh, that's a good call. Wow, that's yeah, this, this is crazy draft analysis happening on down to dunk I'm, today. I'm like I'm like uh the NBA's Mel Kuyper Jr. I'm really at that point now. Congrats to you guys. John, help me, please. I beg you. Um, I, I know he was born in Tulsa. I, I have not seen any footage of of this guy. I don't even know if I could watch anything and really pull anything out of it that would tell me a whole lot. Um, other than, I mean, again, this is it, it's probably it's, it's a guy that's more raw than OG. So yeah. uh, we, we've discussed it before. Could could we see this undertake him? Sure. I mean, if if they're looking for someone, you know, to chip in two to three years down the road. I just don't know if they have that luxury right now. Yeah, I, I'm i not a fan. I watched him some. I'm not going to sit here and say that I've watched every minute that he's ever played. And uh, But here are the things that I don't like about him. He hasn't shown the ability to put the ball on the floor, which he could develop as a 19-year-old. I I understand that, but he, he doesn't have that now. Uh, he's really skinny. He's 6'7", but he's 186. Like, he's... Mm-hmm. I mean, Shemmy's got like 40 pounds on him, like no joke, like a real 40 pounds of muscle on this dude. Um, I I think that he will play the two to start out, and that concerns me because the Thunder are they're loaded with two guards that can play now. Uh, those are all the reasons why I don't think that he's a good fit in OKC, unless he is like – I think that he plays for the Blue next year. I don't think that he can play for the Thunder Uh those are the reasons why I wouldn't draft him, but he he is he's a project, and so like we've talked about, I don't I don't know that the Thunder need a project. I think that back in the day when you had you know Westbrook, Duran, Ibaka, all these guys, like you could afford to have a project on the end of your bench that in a few years could maybe come in and be a rotation player, and that was the kind of like Thunder you at the end of the bench with like Perry Jones and Reggie Jackson, Jeremy Lamb, those kind of guys where you could just develop those guys at the end of your bench, and then if one of them can play, awesome. Uh, I don't think the Thunder are in that – they're not in that place anymore. I think they need guys that can play, and I just don't think Ferguson can play right now. Uh, let's see. Any second-rounders, John, that you like? Because the Thunder like to buy second-round picks, and they have the money to spend right now uh, on a second-round pick. And I'd be kind of surprised if they didn't buy a second-round pick. Um are there any guys that you like? Yeah, I mean, I, I went through and came up with a with, with a whole list of guys that you know interested me in varying degrees. I mean, you brought up Jordan Bell already. Um, talked about Frank Jackson and you know how he could potentially be in play there. Um, Wes uh, Wes Iwundu from mm-hmm. K State is interesting. Josh Hart, obviously. Um, this is where I keep going in the second round, and I'm like, some of these guys have got to be able to play in the league. 
They've absolutely yeah. got to be able to play. Um, George DePaula, who's a backup point guard, I think he was supposed to be in the draft a couple of years ago and pulled out. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mostly like him because his middle name is Lucas, so he's George Lucas. Um, <laughs> so that's my whole reason for pushing for him. Um, Sandarius Thornwell is another guy who's been projected towards the back end of the draft. So, yeah, I mean, like, there's a number of there's a number of guys that I feel like, you know, like some of these guys are going to pan out right, and it seems like the Thunder could latch onto at least one of them. Mm-hmm. Fred uh, Dra- Draft Express Draft Express has Jawan Evans as a second rounder right now. Thirty-eight. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's good. Like I, I, I really like his. I mean, I, I understand if there are concerns over, okay, he's not going to dribble nearly as much in the NBA because he dribbled so much in college. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Uh, and he's not going to do that in the NBA because, like, even Russ doesn't dribble as much in the NBA. as <laughs> Like, Russ and Harden must watch him and be like, man, I want to play for... I want to play for Oklahoma State. They had nobody else that could even dribble the basketball. That's why. I mean, he, they, right. had, no, they had no, nobody. No, I know. Yeah. I know. They, had, they had no other NBA players. and But it's, it's just a situation of um, you wonder if he's playing that way because of the situation or if the situation is playing to that extreme because of him mm-hmm. or if he didn't used to be like that and the situation caused habits which right now he feels more com- most comfortable when he's able to dribble as much as he did and handle the ball as much as he did and um it kind of caused this uh this habit which is tough to break and i don't know which one is which i i assume you can find that stuff out better in workouts and in interviews and that kind of stuff and that's part of why like I think NBA scouts are amazing. How they're able to project that kind of stuff, but I think he's good. Like he's 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 really good in the pick and roll, and he's a good passer out of the pick and roll, and he scores well. He's got a variety of different ways to score out of it, and he, he shot. He, at, at the very least, he shot well in both of his years uh, at Oklahoma State. He shot great as a freshman, though not on a ton of attempts from three, but he, he shot really well. Uh, I I like him. I'm into him. I like Jordan Bell too. I, I don't know what the heck he's going to do on offense, but I could just see him being this <laughs> impact impact defender kind of off the bench who plays 15 to 18 minutes a game throughout his career and makes a difference defending the rim and getting rebounds. And if that's what you get in the second round, I think that's that's a that's a you know if your second round pick stays in the league, like that's a great second round pick. So I, I think that's great. And I just am am begging like i know he's on the fence i said this on my cast podcast too but like oh my gosh i want sindarius thornwell to get drafted so badly so mark tatum say his name because it's the greatest royce and i decided he sounds like a harry potter wizard it's such a great name it is the coolest it's like one of my favorite names ever it's just a cool name sindarius is such an awesome name and it works so well with thornwell it's just a great name. It sounds so, like a, a character that Samuel. This, yeah, I'm not saying this like it's ironic. Like what a ridiculous guy. I, I think it is an awesome name. Like what an awesome name. It's like Samuel L. Jackson's next role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's when they have alligators on a plane. Cinderius Thornwell. <laughs> He Best keeps, name in the draft. He keeps falling, and I'm kind of, at least on Draft Express, like he continues to fall. Like he's all the way down at 58 right now, which kind of worries me a little bit for his chances of being drafted. I don't know why, because he's got a ton of skill. 
Like he can play. Uh, may, maybe they just don't think it translates to the NBA because he's, I mean, he's six five with a six ten wingspan. He scored twenty one points, seven boards, almost three assists a game. Like he obviously the production is there. Uh, but I wonder why he's doesn't falling. help. That he's an old doesn't help. That he's an old senior. Yeah, but there's old seniors that are up in the first round. I mean, I just wonder what it is. I don't know him well enough to be able to say like, here's the reason why he's falling. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of strange. But there's guys like Monte Morris. Like, I feel like Monte Morris can play in the NBA. Like he's six three. Right. He he's an older guy. He's twenty two. Uh, but he like rarely turned the ball over. He can run a pick and roll. Some people think he can defend. Uh, like I I would buy a second round pick and draft him because I I mean surprise I think he could probably be better than Samash. <laughs> well, there's a report that is just going around now that apparently Frank Mason has had another one-on-one workout in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. So Mason's even older. Um, He's, he is 23 now. What do you guys yeah. think about him? He's 5'11". That, that's yeah. the thing that worries me the most about him. But other than that, like I watched him just torch the Cowboys. And I th- <laughs> he's good, man. Like he, I think yeah. that he's legit. Um but I don't know if he. I don't know if he can overcome his size. There's a lot of guys in the league that I feel like that's becoming less of a problem for guys. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I think it takes a special kind of player to overcome being under six feet. I think that's true, especially mentally. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's physically. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but like it, it, it takes a physical toll on you getting beaten up like that all the time. You have to be really good at a lot of other stuff, and you have to be annoyingly persistent about everything else. Yeah. Uh, let's do one more. Tri- let's do one more draft topic. So, if the th- let's say the Thunder are able to trade up, let's say they can get a pick somewhere like ten to twelve range. Uh, first of all, do you think that there is a package that the Thunder can put together to get there? And then, second, who do you like in that range? We'll start with you, John. Um, well, I mean, I guess I can throw out my, my Ennis Cantor package for the 11th pick idea. Um, especially now that Charlotte is pretty well set on bigs. Yeah. Um, you know, looking around up in there, you know, Detroit reportedly, you know, wants to trade the 12th pick for an established veteran, but I don't know if Ennis Cantor is the guy they're looking for. I don't know if there's any other guys on the Thunder that makes sense. Trading up for Denver, eh. Miami, Miami, I think, is more concerned with clearing space. Um, Portland, I still wonder if they signed Ennis Cantor just to screw with the Thunder. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not seeing a whole lot. You know, maybe I know we keep going back to number 10 in Sacramento. Um, and maybe that holds. I mean, they, it would be if, if they have to go burn their money on somebody, it would be better off taking a guy like Cantor than going out and throwing a foolish, you know, four-year contract offer on somebody. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what it's going to take to get up into that range. It's kind of strange. It's, it, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of good fits in that range. Yeah. Fred? The Thunder's best hope. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Canner and 21 for the 10th pick to Sacramento is a thing that will happen. Because I think it would be a really bad trade for Sacramento. I would not do that. So it's going to happen. 
Right, what I was going to say, the Thunder's hope is that, like, Sacramento <laughs> just makes a bad trade, mm-hmm. which is, like, a lot better than any other organization making a bad trade. So I guess that's plausible. If I'm at 10, I mean, if if Dennis Smith slips or Malik Monk slips, like, obviously mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a, yeah. a huge get. Um, yeah. I, I like Donovan Mitchell. I think he's going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. And he just he just seems thundery. Yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I know, agree. Yeah, he I, I know he said he had a workout scheduled with Oklahoma City. I uh stupidly didn't follow up to see how that went, but uh I, he he just seems like a like a thunder guy. He's 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 got a high basketball IQ and he he's like got this reputation for being a being a great guy. He's six three with a six ten wingspan. He's only twenty years old. Like I just I see it all. I, I, I see him being a Thunder guy. So so those are the sorts of guys that if they're in that range, I could I could see them valuing. Obviously Smith and Smith and Monk have, have him going a little bit before, but not if you're at ten, like Smith, Smith and Monk are nine and eight respectively on Draft Express. Like it's not completely unrealistic that, you know, the Mavs, you know, take somebody else. You know, the Mavs the Mavs like Tilakina a lot. Mm-hmm. So a, which are which are a lot of reports and as do the Knicks. So, you know, one of them takes that and one of those guys falls off of the front of the draft goes the same and one of those guys are at ten. So you know, maybe if that's the case, the Kings are less likely to trade trade a pick too. But you know, we're speaking totally hypothetically and I want to reiterate in unrealistic situations, not things <laughs> like or even like possible for the most part to happen. Yeah. So let's let's think outside the box here. Because I, Everyone focuses on Ennis Cantor as the guy that the Thunder would trade, and everyone's trying to come up with those deals. Mm-hmm. Um, outside the box here, Adams, Sabonis, Abrinas, Oladipo. I mean, any of these guys, do you see like possibilities to move up? And does it even make sense to move one of those guys to get up into that you know, maybe 9 to 15 range? Is it wrong that I think that Oladipo is the guy? No, I don't think it's wrong. That's the guy that I would probably of all those guys. Obviously, Canner is like your number one guy. Like, every, but you can't get. I don't. I just don't think you're. If you get that kind of value for Ennis Cantor, Sam Presti better be the executive of the year. Like he better win it. Like that's it, that's got to be the only move. Like that's a, that would be ridiculous. I, I think Oladipo is the guy that you're going to be able to move and get value back. That makes sense. Uh, and I, I don't know that. That's my thought. And may like maybe Detroit would bite on that because I do think that he would help Detroit right off the bat. And then I don't know what else Detroit could get back. I'm trying to see. Well, um, I mean, and that depends too. I mean, is is it worth trading Oladipo for, let's say, Donovan Mitchell? Uh, no. Is it worth trading Oladipo potentially for Malik Monk? Yes. So, I I, I, I kind of want to say that. that it's worth it to move him for Nilakina. Hmm. Because hmm. I think that his fit with the Thunder is probably a little bit better than than Mitchell. Uh, he's a, he's a lot younger than Mitchell. He's two years younger than Mitchell, and some people are concerned about his age. But he he's playing with the big boys um, overseas, so. I don't know. I, I like I like him a lot. I like him as a backup point guard. I like him as a guy that fits next to Russ, that shoots threes, that can defend ones and twos. Uh, 
kind of kind of that mold of the that the Thunder have been looking for because the Thunder want a yeah. guy that can play next to Russ, um, and I think that he could be a potential star too. And you look at, I think wh- one of the reasons why I like Ananobi and I like uh, Nilakina is I think you look at them and you think also that could be a guy in a trade package that maybe another team would really like. Because we always want to talk about the Thunder getting into these big-time trades. Well, right now, the Thunder don't have a lot of guys that I think teams want all that much. And I think if you can develop a, a young piece that's like 19 or 20 years old, and they're showing a lot of promise, then like I feel like you can get into some of these like bigger names um, that are on the market. But right now, I don't know that the Thunder have the assets to do that. But I think if you can get like a mid-lottery kind of guy or a low-lottery kind of guy. I, I think that that helps. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah, okay. You said it. You said it, man. <laughs> Do you think Oladipo will finish his contract with the Thunder? We've already said that we were all pretty... We all, I think we all think that Interscanner probably won't. What do you guys think about Oladipo, though? He's got... Uh, Five years. What do you guys think? He's got four years. Is it four years? Yeah. Four. four. Oh, screw you, NBA trade machine. That's what I thought. I thought it was four, and I see five years on here. I'm like, huh? Because it probably includes the current season. Yeah, they included last season, the season that's over. Well, fiscally, it is not over. And the NBA trade machine, I don't think, actually updates contracts until July 1st, right? Because guys are still technically under contract. Right, because if, if the Thunder tried to trade Oladipo right now, it would be that stupid poison pill yeah. scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the poison pill expires June 30th, and then they can trade. Yeah, July 1st, and then he is a $21 million trade piece. So uh, if they did come up with some you know any kind of a deal, it would be one announced after the moratorium. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. My hunch is that Oladipo won't finish his contract in Oklahoma City. Um, that's, that's not necessarily like anything like negative. Like, oh, get him out of here. It's just mm-hmm. it's just kind of a thought. I just don't know if he's going to uh, prove himself to be quite that indispensable. I think it's definitely possible he gets moved in the life of the contract, but I don't know. I also am. Well, I think it's extremely plausible they trade Ennis Canner. I'm not totally confident that it happens. I'm totally confident they would like to if they got a good deal for him. But at the same time, think of all the other centers out there that teams are trying to move and nobody wants to bite. Uh, you know, Vucevic and uh, Greg Monroe was in that category for a long time, and Okafor. Jaleel Okafor is in that category. Yeah, all those offense first, defense second centers, you know, defensive players to varying degrees. Canner, you know, might be the worst defensive one of all of them. Maybe the second worst, you know, if you think Okafor is worse. Okafor is probably worse defensively than Canner. But he's he's probably a worse defender than Vucevic, although Vucevic is quite bad. And he's certainly worse than Monroe, who's improved a little bit as a defender over the years. And those guys can't really move either. There's just not really a need. And and Canner might be on the most bloated. I think he's on the – I think he's got a bigger contract than Monroe, right? So he might be a little bit bigger, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's on the highest paying contract of all of them. Like Jalil Okafor is on a rookie deal and is what three years younger, I think, than Canner. And and Philadelphia still can't can't even move him. 
So I, I wonder, granted, he's not as good as Kenner, but it, it's just mostly a stylistic comparison. And, and those sorts of guys are abundant on the market, and there's just not really much of a demand for them. And uh, anybody who who even slept through Economics 101 knows when there's a large supply and not much of a demand, it's pretty hard to get anything of value for whatever it is you're trying to sell. But I could do it on NBA 2K, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the Thunder would like to do it. It's just, it's just hard. It's, it's really yeah. hard. It's really hard. Yeah, I put a poll up on Twitter yesterday asking if people thought that Kanner would be moved on draft night. I think draft night would be a great time to move him if it's possible. Um, I think most, I think last I checked, most people think that he will be. Yeah, fifty-six percent think he'll be moved. I don't think he will be. I think that the, I, I think that I'm with Fred. I just don't know that you can move him. Um, what is the lowest pick? Let's say that you can trade Canner for a pick. What is like the lowest acceptable pick that you would do if you're the Thunder? It depends. Is are are they unloading his entire salary? Is this assuming that they're waiting till July first and sending him into cap space, or are they bringing something else back? Uh, let's just say you're just getting the pick. Anything in the first round. So would you do it for the 22nd pick to the Nets? Yes. And that's it? Yep. Yes, for sure. I would do that. Yeah, you unload that salary. You have so much more. That is almost that's $18 million off the books right there yeah. next year. Man, that that gets you so far away from the luxury tax, you don't even need to think about it anymore. Now you can go out, you can get your backup point guard, you can... You can you can use your mid level. You can use your biannual, and you can you can draft two guys in the first round, and you don't have to think about the luxury tax really at all. Like that's that's a really nice weight off the entire organization's shoulders. And Kanner, I mean, look, Kanner Kanner is really good at a lot of things, but he's he's in a position where he's redundant. Like he's just he's re- he's redundant with Steven Adams and and he he can personally be optimized in another situation better and yeah maybe it, that's not a bad idea Andrew twenty two the Nets like the Nets just want NBA players and they more than any other organization are willing to take on bad contracts. Mm-hmm. What about this one? And we've talked about Canner for the tenth pick. What about Canner for the thirty fourth pick? <sighs> Man, I mean the financial advantages are nice. Um, that Fred just laid out because they can take him into cap space. <sighs> they can, but now, I mean, we, we have to consider too. Let's say they can't trade in his canter, or uh, not can't trade, but they don't find a deal that they like. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got he he has an effective role on this team. Yeah. So at a certain point, you know, there's there's the benefit towards you know maybe cleaning up your cap and you know. Uh, and doing some of those sorts of things, I just don't know if if I could. I don't know if I would move him for a second round pick that might not pan out. Yeah, what do you think, Fred? It's tough. I think a little of it depends on the moves that are coming. If it's a move, so I'll, I'll give my annoying response, which is like, <laughs> and it depends response. Yeah, but so like if. <laughs> If the Thunder, because they have Canner and because they have over $110 million on the books already for 2017 and because they want to re-sign Robertson and because of all these things, if they feel like they're in a financial position right now where they can't spend more than like the minimum on a backup point guard mm-hmm. and they don't want to spend more than the minimum to bring in another wing or more than even the biannual 
to bring in another wing or something like that, then maybe it's worth it just for the financial flexibility. If that's what their mentality is as an organization, if they're going to do that stuff anyway, and they don't care about the rest and they were going to do that anyway. And all this does is save them some money as opposed to open up flexibility. Then I wouldn't be a fan. But if it opens up flexibility on the roster because they're of the mentality and they're of the financial situation where they just can't or won't spend money, and this is obviously an ownership decision, not a Sam Presti decision, if they won't spend money that takes them either into the luxury tax or deep into the luxury tax, which is at the very least a plausible situation, then I think it's 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 a situation that you have to consider strongly because – you're not in that situation. Maybe directly you're trading Canner for number 34, but in practice, you're really not. You're trading him for number 34 and whoever you sign for the mid-level and then you sign yeah. for the biannual and then whoever you're able to, to draft at 21 as well. Like you're, you're, you're opening up. It's like how when people say like, like when the Knicks traded Shumpert and J.R. Smith, like all my Knicks fan friends were like, they got nothing for him. It's like, no, they didn't get nothing for him. They got cap space for him. And because they made the trade, they were able to sign Robin Lopez to a really team-friendly deal, which they done blew because they gave him away <laughs> for Derrick Rose. Right. But it was still good at the time. It was before they did it. And it's like you're you're getting – in this case, you're not necessarily getting cap space, but it's the same principle. You're getting flexibility and you're getting the ability to spend. And that's an important – thing. So I think that would be something they would have to consider if the organization were in that situation. Yeah. No, and, and to your point, there are so many things that don't show up uh, on the transactions under a player. We just see the actual stuff that went back and forth in the transaction, but you're right. Often there's all sorts of you know side benefits or, or maybe the primary goal for making these trades. Prepare to be disappointed, Thunder fans, about Ennis Cantor <laughs> trades. <laughs> If it's going to happen, I feel like there's going to be a lot of disappointment because I think that people like dream about like getting like real players in return for him. And yeah, the more people you- are proposing Ennis Canner and number twenty-one for Paul George. Mm-hmm. People are people are like, well, you know, the Celtics aren't going to want to rent him on that. Like they will if all they have to give up is Terry Rozier. <laughs> like, well, I, I don't slow your roll there, uh, Frederick. Uh, all, we're talking all about they're giving up is Jonas Jerebko. The Celtics will rent him. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Paul George, who did not even make an All NBA team. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he's only made he's only made three of them. A lowly three time All NBA player, but has he made it this year? No, no, no. It's over for him. So you guys hear you guys hear Zach Lowe's trade proposal for Paul George for the Thunder? No, I didn't. He just said, call and see what they think about a swap of he and Oladipo. Under un, under the idea that you're most likely just renting him for the year. Yeah, just that he uh, that, that he's a rental. A- Andrew, you know, I wrote about that before Zach Lowe proposed it. Oh, you did? Yes. I wrote about Oladipo in 21. What do you think about that? I think the Pacers are the exact type. I'm not saying that that's going to happen or that that's even a deal that the Pacers would be like, oh, yeah, totally. But the Pacers, knowing the Pacers, they are the type of organization because of how they've operated in the past. They're the type of organization you could potentially sell on Oladipo coming back to Indiana and the fanfare it will bring. They Mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff. So I think that's that's not going to make or break the deal. 
but that's a little a little extra bullet that Sam Presley would have to use in that sort of trade negotiation. I don't think it's the worst offer they'll get for him if that trade were if that offer were to make, but I bet they'll get better ones. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a really fun Thunder team. <laughs> you could add Paul George and all you had to give up was Oladipo. If that if that were the case, if you had to give up Oladipo 21, let's say it's the case. And and you're 100% sure, not 99% sure, you are 100% sure Paul George is leaving at the end of this year. It's a one-year rental. Mm-hmm. And then in 2018, you're stuck with no Paul George, no Oladipo, and no 2017 first-round pick. Do you, do you do that deal? And probably no 2018 first-round pick because you're probably not going to be in the lottery and that pick's going to go to Utah. Right. Right. Do you do that deal? Oh, I don't know. That would be such a fun season. <laughs> and it, it's not a thunder it's, thing uh, to do at all like it's like right, the most anti-thunder right. thing to do ever is to just basically give players away for something that you know will only happen for a year i think ultimately no but i th- i don't know like what is is that the second best team in the west let's put it like this if i were phil jackson in new york i'd do it yeah or he would do it I would maybe maybe well John just preemptively insulted me but I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it. I think I think even if Paul George leaves if Paul George if you can treat Paul George the same way like if you can treat Paul George phenomenally as an organization even if you're 100% locked in that Paul George leaves uh if you can just treat him fantastically as an organization and make sure he's happy, I think there is value. First of all, you might have a better chance if Russ is on the fence, you might have a better chance of getting Russ to extend this summer yeah. if you make a deal like that. And and that there's value in that, obviously. And secondly, I think other players look at that stuff and think, hey, like Russ re-upped and Paul George left, but he like you listen to the way because players talk about this stuff all the time. But listen to the way he talked about playing there. Like he really wanted to go to LA, but maybe maybe it's not so bad, and and maybe you get more eyes on the organization uh, from from the players' standpoint because I think that's an important thing that they have to do. They haven't really had the opportunity to show that, and and Durant leaving and and the way that everything's gone down since Durant left hasn't had hasn't provided the organization. With the opportunity to show that as well. And I, I do think there is this uh, intangible value in being able to have that. Plus, like, they'd be really good. <laughs> they'd be really good if they got Paul George. Yeah, if the Warriors didn't exist, I would say yes, 100%. Because then I think that that's, that's like your typical level of a title team, right? Like, you got these two superstars. You got some really good role players around them. Like, that's, like that's a typical title team in any run-of-the-mill NBA season. But because you have the Warriors that exist... That's where I'm just like, eh, what's the point? Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. At the same time, like, how long is, like, something we don't talk about enough, and I mean, like, like something the world doesn't talk about enough, Russ's prime might not last that long. Mm-hmm. Right? He's so dependent on athleticism and explosion that when he loses that, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And his, his mentality is so Iversonian, so Kobe-like, 
that think about the way that those two guys went out when they lost a step. It wasn't pretty with either of them. And I, I don't think he would go out the way that Iverson did because Iverson was just so egotistical in the way that he did it, refusing to go to the bench and that kind of stuff that I would not pin that on, on any superstar in the league right now. I don't think anybody would do it the way that Iverson did it, uh, especially with the way that this past generation has aged with uh, Dirk and Duncan and you know Vince Carter and, and those guys just setting this awesome, probably some other guys, Paul Pierce, setting a great example of, of being able to step back and take a role. And I think guys saw that. And I, I don't think that this, I think this generation is going to mimic that one too. But if Russ, like you want to maximize Russ's prime when you can. And if you're just going to wait till the Warriors are going to be done, you might also be waiting till Russ is done. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And you're, and you're making the trade Russ argument right now. Is what I, yeah, is, is, I guess, is what you're I making. guess I am. I guess I am. But I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe that just because there's one really good team that's predestined to win that you just stop. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, I'm not a believer of that. Even if you're in the Thunder situation, I don't believe that. I just don't know. Where, where are you in 2018? That's just my question. You've had this one really fun year, and now, like you said, you're out. You know, you're out of player that you had locked up already. Okay, well, there's there's global global warming, so San Francisco is going to be underwater, so you don't have to worry about the Warriors anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. It's our best case scenario <laughs> for the NBA being fun again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the only. That's the only way. Uh, Come on, then, Mother and Nature. Fine. And then you're fine. Then it's just yep. like you and you and the Spurs, and they they can add athletic the Spurs with Paul George. They're fine. <laughs> You guys have anything else? Any uh, any more hot takes before the draft? I'm all out of them for now, but give me a uh, give me a, give me some more hours. Let's see some more news come out. Um, I have I have absolutely nothing. I have nothing. I think I used all of mine up. But I think my hot the hottest take I've ever had came on this podcast though, when uh, I said that. Even though one is 22 and one is 20, that Jemmy Ojale is actually one year older than you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show. <laughs> whoa, 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 guys. Jabari Young just tweeted. Just received a call from people close to Kawhi. Told me this photo is fake, so there's that. His braids are still intact. No. Jabari Young just tweeted it. Fake news! Fake braid <laughs> news! <clears throat> oh, my God. That's the weirdest kind of fake news ever. <laughs>